0: Kind of strange being here in the afternoon, right? i not used to this stuff. I used to always say, you know, even though I worked and I had a real job at one point, you know, um, I used to have to be at work by 630. <laughs> I used to say that not even the chickens are up this early. And when I got up this morning, I thought not even the chickens are up this early. Anyway, we're easing into New Year's. My hat, is, what is it with this hat, you know? It's just not, it's just not a happy hat. Do that look? I ah, give up. Uh, We're easing into New Year's, and um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to turning over a new leaf because I think I need to. Things, you know, a lot happened. Anybody that follows me on Facebook will see how much actually happened. Starting in uh, November of 2021, everything just snowballed, and it was just crazy for me. And I even took a break from ghost hunting because I was surrounded by too much death. I had to do it; no choice. It was just—it was overwhelming. I couldn't go out to somebody's house. And talk, you know, and, and and, and, and go and, and, you know, unfortunately listen to their issues and ghosts and all that. But uh, hopefully everything starts new on Monday. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you should have a paranormal problem or you think you do, we can get to you. It may take us a little extra while time to get to you because it's a big state. But we have people located and you know, in, in just about half the counties in California, that can get to you. All right, like people in Central pal, things like that. We also have affiliates in Hawaii, Oregon, Nevada, and Washington. If you have any needs there. Anyway, welcome tonight, uh, today. And if you're watching from Facebook, please be sure to hit that follow button and uh, hit that like button because we're always looking for followers to be able to show up. And if you're watching from YouTube, let's see if I can aim this right this time. Oop, there it is. There's a little ghost with a magnifying glass at the bottom right-hand corner, right there. And if you click on that, that'll this is that subscribe button will pop up, and it will subscribe you to our our page on YouTube. We have more than 460 videos over there. And even though we do do a lot of paranormal topics here, I'm a journalist, so um, I got nothing I've got nothing against paranormal topics, but I like to like, change it up. Which brings me to today's guest, Dr. Donna Marks. Um addictions and i'm not just talking about you know opiates because that's that's what you hear is the opioids all the time and all that there's other addictions that people have there's sex there's sex addictions There's you know i mean i mean it's just it's just crazy chocolate addictions i mean and i know that sounds silly but there's people my mother my mother loves chocolate she would make she'd get the betty crocker um chocolate frosting and put and put it between two pieces of bread this is before they had you know way before nutella so my mother was doing nutella before there was Nutella. You know, so there's addictions like that. So we're going to talk to Dr. Marks about why people have these addictions. You know, is it it's no emotional? It's kind of like you know when you get depressed and you go you you go you open up the, the freezer and then start and then start globbing down the ice cream, right? You know, emotions have a lot to do with it. I mean, if you're feeling and I know this from experience because I went through this, and I'm going to admit I went through this is that during a very bad period of my life, maybe 15, 20 years ago. I, I didn't drink or anything like that, I ate myself into fatness, literally, because there was so much negativity going on in my life, and so that was my comfort, and that's how I, I worked on myself. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, okay? I'm not, I, I'm not a psychologist, okay? I don't claim to be, but I have had a lot of experiences along that line. So it's going to be interesting to talk with her about that and um if you're what if, uh, if you're watching if you're hearing listening to this from the rss feed thank you guys so much you guys are sharing the show the main thing i want to do if you you know if you like the show or like i say at the very end or even if you hate the show is keep sharing it that's how we're getting the word out about this show you know we're kind of like the little engine that could we're, we're, we're the little show that could the numbers are just leaping you guys that are watching that are listening to this from apple and all these other places you know iheart and all these other places. Those numbers are 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 leaping off the charts right now, and it's it's just absolutely incredible. And I thank you all. And then it's because you're you're sharing us, you're telling people about us, and you're sharing us. Who knows? You might be watching at home with with your fuzzies on right now, and maybe maybe your wife or daughter or someone's in the other room, and you're going to be like, "Hey, come on in here. You got to check the show out." That's what it's all about. Just pass the word along. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to shut up now. I'm done with my preachy. I'm going to bring Dr. Don, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring Dr. Marks on and we can get to know her a little bit and talk about addictions. Here we go. Good
1: afternoon. Hi, thanks for having me on your show. Thank you. I, I, I imagine, imagine that, that, I to um, talk, I imagine I that the numbers are jumping because you're putting so much into it.
0: Oh, yeah, um, I'm here constantly, constantly because I'm doing it full time now. So, I mean, it's it's, it's just constant. So I'm wonderful. really excited about that. It's great to see these leaps, you know, I yes. I've tripled my, I, I, as of today, I, I, I've tripled my, my, uh, podcast downloads.
1: That's fantastic. So Congratulations.
0: It it, it it's good. nice to work hard and have it pay off. Yeah. To finally see it pay off. It took three years, but boy, you know, it's, it's, it's just going. So tell me about you.
1: So, uh, I'm a therapist in Palm beach, Florida, and I specialize in mental health and addictions. And I believe that I'm doing uh, what I'm here to do on the planet. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was born into addiction. I've overcome them myself. I've had children with addictions, been married to people with addictions, uh, the full gamut. And and in my profession, I um, have worked with over 6,000 people with addictions. So it's a great feeling to know that that I'm here uh, doing what I'm supposed to do. I love it. I, I look like you. I look forward to putting more time in every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't ever plan on retiring anytime soon. (laughs) And it's something I thoroughly enjoy because I get to see people go through that transformation Mm -hmm. of not even, most people don't even realize they're addicted. And we certainly have to face the fact that almost all physical and mental illness, not all, but almost all, has addiction at its root Mm -hmm. alcohol, sugar, drugs, Mm -hmm. and trans fats those are at the core of almost all deadly illnesses you can go right through you know heart attack cancer kidney disease liver disease stroke diabetes too people ha- don't realize they're addicted to things that are causing those illnesses same thing with mental health dysfunctional families emotional disturbance leading to substance use leading to mental health and brain disorders and things like that not the other way around
0: right 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 and like you like i said earlier People when they when they think of addictions, the first thing they think about is alcohol or drugs, but it's not just alcohol and drugs. There's
1: right, other uh, in, my book, gonna... you know, in my book, my book, I talk, I say there's just one addiction, you know, and, and and the problem with why treatment does has failed so much is because that treatment hasn't recognized that there's just one addiction. Mm-hmm. I call it that invisible hall. Thank you for putting my sure. book up. No um, problem. Thank you so much. I, I'm so I'm so excited about the book because I self published it. It won 23 awards. And then a publisher picked it up because of the recognition that it got. So in there, I talk about that one one addiction, which is this invisible hole, this feeling that something's missing. And mm-hmm. so we're constantly trying to fill that. And so if you go to treatment for alcoholism, you get out and you start workaholic. Or you, you mm-hmm. quit uh, eating sugar and then you start eating something else. Or you quit smoking and you start a food addiction. Or you quit cocaine and you start a gambling addiction. I mean, it's like a merry-go-round that never yes. ends. And so until right. we realize there's just one and it will keep jumping around on us and that we have to deal with that invisible hole, treatment will continue to just be uh, like the health industry. You treat the symptoms, but never the problem.
0: It's kind of like you see a lot of this with the uh, movie stars and rock stars and stuff that go in for treatment like at Betty Ford or wherever, and it's all fine and dandy for the first couple of days. And then all of a sudden the, the, the slip ups start again, you know, where they don't really start going back into the habits.
1: Yes, yes, because they've abstained, but they haven't really healed from the underlying causes. And more importantly, uh, you know, a lot of people are treating trauma now, and that's wonderful, but you can't just treat trauma and not teach people the most important factor of all, how to love themselves. I believe that every addiction is a substitute for love. You know, we're not really addicted to chocolate. We're addicted to the sugar that's in the chocolate that gives us that warm, fuzzy feeling, that sense of comfort. But there's a big difference between doing something that makes you feel good versus something that makes you feel good about yourself. And I Mm -hmm. teach people how to replace those addictions that make them feel momentarily good, then horrible afterwards. Why did I eat that whole bag of jelly beans? Why did I eat that whole box of chocolate? Mm -hmm. Why did I eat that whole pizza? Why did I drink until I was hungover the next morning? Why am I on this porn site again? I mean, I I teach them how to learn how to replace self-love with those temporary fixes so that they can feel good about themselves. And once that happens, they just forget all about the addiction. It's just something they used to do, like any other bad relationship.
0: Right. Does this go along the line of, you know, you only see these movies with people and it's like, you're upset, you're upset. Go, go get your hair done, make a change, you know, go, go, go do something to, to cheer yourselves up, you know, go get your nails done. Is that kind of like what we're talking about because, because you're trying to, you know, get away from mm-hmm. the one addiction and then get out to do something to make you feel better.
1: Right. Well, self-care is a good thing to do, for sure. That is part of self-love. And, you know, if you're feeling like you need some nurturing, getting your nails done or your hair done or a massage or something like that can be good for you. But we have been conditioned to not feel those feelings. And so they, they morph into anger and depression, guilt. And then we are just consumed with all this negativity rather than to be able to deal with our emotions, which are very important. They're there for a reason. They're telling us something's going on here and we need to address them.
0: How hard it is, I mean, it's when somebody comes in, I guess I guess it's like case-to-case basis, you know, to, to dig down to find out. Are, are people more open to talk to you about this stuff or do you really have to, wor- you know, work at it to get them to admit it? Well, I,
1: I think people are very open and receptive to trying to figure out why they're not happy. And I would almost guarantee in almost every case they either have an addict in their life, they don't realize it, uh, they think the person's just off, or or something like that. I see this all the time here in Palm Beach. With um, I, I deal with the wealthiest populations in the world, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they, they don't realize their children have an addiction, and that's why they're off. Um, and so it's, it's kind of hard to get you know get through that denial process. But I think once people begin to see and they're educated, um, most people are willing to do things differently. It's usually the you know it's usually the uh, people that are there's enablers in every situation. It's the people that are sober that are often need to change their behavior before the person who's addicted will change theirs.
0: How hard is it? I mean, I know I've, I know know, I'm one of these people that like, like I remember my my food thing that was going on when I got diagnosed with heart failure and I shocked my doctor because I'm one of these people and I'm just like, Nope, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm getting off the other food. I'm on my diet. I'm done. And I did. And she was shocked that I was able to do this. How hard is it for people to be able to to do that, you know, and not even go cold turkey. Is it it a gradual thing? Or or is it something that somebody can do immediately? Like, let's say they're addicted to sugar.
1: Well, you can come off of sugar immediately, but you need to understand that you'll go through the same withdrawals if you're coming off of any other drug. Mm -hmm. And sugar is a drug. Uh, There's uh, some research online that says it's as addictive once it hits that frontal lobe in the brain and Mm -hmm. that you get that dopamine hit. It's as addictive as cocaine. I think one of the research papers said crack cocaine, which is even more addictive than regular cocaine. God, yeah. so so what happens is you know you don't go you don't go through the physiological withdrawal so much. Um, there's some, but with certain drugs, you definitely need to be professionally detoxed off of them because if you if you're like on benzodiazepines and even severe amounts of alcohol, you can go through withdrawal and have seizures and deadly consequences.
0: I agree with that. the other thing i was just thinking that that, that your body has to go through certain things too i mean like like somebody who say overweight and they start cutting back on their food the body starts to fight back as well right because it it has to have so, so so many calories in there to maintain it
1: well i don't think your body's ever fighting back your body's perfect it was designed to be perfect what happens is that your brain gets dysregulated from not having proper nutrition or in the case of substance abuse from having substance abuse uh, dysregulate the brain i don't believe that that addiction is a brain disorder that's what pharmacists push and then you treat it with medication i believe that the that most most babies are born with healthy brains unless their parents had some type of severe addiction going on in their uh, physiological development it would very possibly be different than other brains, but I think that most, for the most part, babies are born healthy and normal brain until they start abusing their brains with bad food and toxins and drugs, and then they do become uh, have a brain disorder. But it's not permanent unless the addiction goes on for so long that it becomes permanent. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know, if you get addicted to smoking, if you quit after a couple years, your lungs will be fine.
0: Uh-huh. In most, almost
1: all cases, but if you smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke for 30, 40 years, your brain, uh, your lungs will become permanently damaged.
0: Absolutely. And so become you, per- of course. So when somebody comes to you and you're, and you're talking about their addiction, let's say, let's say it's, a, it's addiction to it's, it's the sweet stuff. You know, we'll start off with that. What process do you take them through to get them off of that stuff, you know, to, to, to wean them off?
1: Right. So uh, I don't think you can wean off of a drug. I think that you need to stop it. Uh, I, and so unless it's, as I said before, drugs, you need to definitely, you know, prescription drugs and other drugs and alcohol, you definitely need to be under a physician's care of being properly right. detoxed. But sugar, you don't need to be detoxed off of that. It's mostly going to be mental. You may go through some cravings and things like that. Uh, but that, I think, you know, that's a lot more mental than it is physical. So what, what's important is to have, it. what I do is outpatient intensive therapy so that people are talking through it constantly. Every day we're, we're meeting, we're having intensive sessions, long-term sessions, so that whatever has caused that invisible hole to begin with gets addressed. And then I, I, I say, okay, what, you know, like, what what are you doing mostly? You know, well, I, I, eat, I, I eat chocolate all the time. Okay, well, let's figure out how you can have chocolate without... The thing that's getting you addicted, which is sugar. Mm-hmm. So you, no one's going to be binging on sugar-free chocolate.
0: Right, 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 right.
1: But I teach you to make your own recipes. Learn. I, I recently went through this with a gentleman. He had a, a, a undiagnosed food addiction and he started cooking. He loved to cook. He started um, making his favorite recipes that were healthy. And he really got into this whole, instead of where he was going to go and eat trans fats and where what he was going to kind of junk he was going to have around the house and all the sugar and candy and cookies. And he realized he could just have one, you know, he'd eat meat and, eat and, eat and, and, and right. the weight went on. He started making things that were healthy instead. And he not only got the satisfaction from the food, uh, he immediately dropped a ton of weight. There was no diet, no pills, nothing. And he started um, creating his own recipes. Now, I tell people, whatever you're addicted to, you can turn that into a career. You can turn that into a hobby or an interest. And when you mm-hmm. do that, your brain is now focused on something that's really self-love rather than self-destruct. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So like, like, what you're saying is that in a way, it, it's a reprogramming thing, you know, to, 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 to reprogram yourself to eat the better food, you know, and like you say, to, to put that to use like this guy did.
1: Yeah, it's more like unprogramming that something that you think makes you feel good is good for you into your natural state because babies aren't born addicted. You know, there's no gene that says I have to drink. There's no gene that says you have to eat sugar. There's no gene that says you have to have video games constantly. There's no gene that says you have to smoke, that you have to have sex five times a day. There's no such gene. But if you have a family history and you've been or you've been conditioned to, to self-medicate, That is a pattern that is totally unnatural. And so to return to the natural state, what makes a child happy? A child is happy when they're warm, cuddled, nurtured, heard. They're allowed to express their feelings. They're taught how to express their feelings in positive and constructive ways. They feel cared about. They feel nurtured. And so we learn how to do that for ourselves so that we're not using uh, external bad things that are are not healthy in, in exchange for those nurturing behaviors
0: I apologize right I apologize for blinking on and off here um my neighborhood everybody has Xfinity so when everybody's off you know off like they are now it's just taxes the system oh so, okay um,
1: I, I didn't notice it on my end
0: yeah see so I'm seeing you blink on and off here I mean, it goes it goes to that place where the Mario's go you know the Mario games that used to fall off that's where it goes <laughs> But it's, it's not really bad to the point where it's good. It's best of the show up. It's just, you know, so just to let the audience know. So if you're, you know, if, if you're seeking treatment and like, you like, let's talk about en- en- enablers too, because sometimes it's really hard. I mean, I watched my mother being diabetic and trying to stay on her diet when my father didn't want to be on that diet. So it was really difficult for her to stay on the straight and narrow on that diet. How How can people handle it? when you know, they're trying to get away from the sweets, but you have somebody you know in the household that's eating that stuff all the time.
1: Well, I think it would be important. I mean, that's the difference between an enabler and someone who just doesn't care about your life. <laughs> I mean, you know, enablers at least, you know, normally what enablers are doing is they're covering up for the person. They're I see it all the time here. They continue to financially support people who are on a crash and burn behavior mm-hmm. after their addiction you know, they they can't face the reality that, that uh, the, the, the person has an addiction. And so they're constantly buffering them or protect them. This is really true of parents, uh, right. really wealthy parents. They just cannot see that their child has an addiction. Oh, no, they just had a bad childhood, or we made this mistake, or we did that, you know, or, or they don't want to, they don't, they're too embarrassed or ashamed to, to bring it out into the open. So that's that's an enabler. Someone who's just dismissive, Mm -hmm. a person who's trying to stop doing something and continues to do it in front of them. uh, That that's a whole nother issue. And it would be important for the person who's trying to stop the behavior to say, I don't want to try and control you drink or have as much chocolate or, you know, sweets or whatever as you want. But I'm asking you not to do it in front of me, because right now I'm in the early stages of my recovery, and it triggers me. And so I, you know, I don't want to have to move out for six months until I'm totally <laughs> detoxed off of it. But I'm asking you not to do it in front of me. And would you please honor that request?
0: So have you worked with not only people that are addicted to stuff and, and, and their enablers? Do you have to work with both or how's that happen?
1: Oh, yes. But when I work with people, I work with the whole family system. Okay. Yes. So someone in the family will hire me and then they invite whoever they want into the system. Uh, so if there's a if there's a patient who has an addiction, you know, then we might be talking about some type of what I call a soft intervention, where mm-hmm. the person knows that there's going to be a family therapy issue and suspects that, it, you know, they're going to be addressing it. But they also are at liberty to address whatever they want to in the family, too, because often the person has the addiction, has some wounds that need to be addressed. And when a family can do that as a whole and heal together, they stay together.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. How hard, like you mentioned earlier, somebody may be addicted to something and not realize it. How hard is it for somebody finally, you know, when they sit down with you to realize that, that they have this addiction, how difficult is it, is it for them to, to hit that realization?
1: Right. So um, people don't understand addiction. They think they have a bad habit. So I have like a five-minute self-evaluation questionnaire. It's on my website. But people can just evaluate themselves. And the, and the key here is, are you trying to control a behavior and you know, it's five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years, and you still don't have control over it? You're addicted. You, know, you might have stopped it, but if you go back to it and you're continuing to have the weight gain or you know, hangovers or DUIs or breakups or you know, bad things happening because of that specific behavior, you have an addiction. You don't have to face it. I'm just saying I'm here for people who are ready to to face it and to to replace it with self-love. So, for example, the couple, when one person is undermining the efforts of the other, there's a fear there. Like this is what we've always connected with. We've been connected over enjoying desserts together, enjoying wine together, enjoying blah, blah, blah together. So we have to you know, recognize that that's painful. It's a loss for both people. What else can we add to that that they can enjoy together? So maybe they can start enjoying cooking together, healthy things mm-hmm. um, that they can share and have that same experience with, without heart disease and kidney disease and obesity and diabetes too and things like that.
0: So when you um, talk, you know, for, like you say, if a couple comes in, like you say, you evaluate them. So what are this once you do the evaluation, what, what steps do you take and how do you start the process?
1: Well, uh, I help people to self-evaluate. Mm-hmm. And then if they would like to do something about it, I, I, my job is to inspire people, not to make people feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. So if, if once they understand that their addiction is a substitute for love, and, and it separated them from their life purpose, and it mm-hmm. separated them from having fulfilling relationships with themselves and other people. And that they would have, they can turn whatever problem they have and, and give it meaning. And that you know that's one of the reasons that twelve step programs work so well is that you let go of the shame, you let go of the guilt, you get well, you help other people, and you have a whole new way of life with, with uh, people who enjoy each other and have that social element and have that and shared recovery together. Because it's not it's not a um, it's not an illness of of togetherness. It's an illness of isolation. And so we definitely want people to know how to learn, how to, I could say when people who are addicted, they're in a box, you know, it's mm-hmm. a maze, but it's also in their world, they're in a box and it's mm-hmm. uncomfortable to get out of that box. Cause you know, they'll say, oh, I'll go do this or I'll go do that. They, they have to have hobbies and interests and connect with other human beings. That's mm-hmm. a big part of it, whether they go to recovery meetings or not, it's a big part of regaining a balanced life. So I help them to do that. I, I do intensive therapy with people. They really get into the nitty gritty of what's underneath that behavior so that they can heal that, those wounds. Not everybody has them. Even, even in situations where you would think somebody did have them, sometimes people have had just a certain balance of, uh, of uh, good enough parenting and th- they turn their life into such, such miraculous things that uh, in normal situations it might be a wound and, and and in other situations they see it as a benefit. So for example, um, if someone comes in uh, recently someone came in who had been sent to live with a relative at age six because that relative could provide a better environment and uh, the person missed the, the the mother terribly but saw it as a very positive experience because even though there was that, Feeling of abandonment, the mother did not abandon the child, and there was a lot of really positive input and role modeling that, that the child took. All these experiences and turned it into making um, a great deal of success in their lives. So um, this is, you know, this is what, how some people perceive it. But most people who've had trauma or who have been sent off to live with a relative and who do not get enough information don't see their mother. And um, it, it turns out to be, you know, a sense of abandonment and things like that. Or if a child has been abused verbally, physically, neglected, emotionally, sexually, these are the things that make a child feel like, what's the matter with me? Those are the kinds of experiences I had that were underlying my addiction. What am I doing to cause this? What's wrong with me? And then not even realizing that um, that really made me very confused about what love is. And I had no idea how to love myself.
0: I think it's very important with you because you did, you did go through this. So you're, you're, you're you're teaching people from uh, from experience. And I think that's wonderful. And it's just sad. And, And I'm not saying that, that, that every therapist, you know, needs to do that, but I, I would think it helps a lot because you're doing it for, from your perspective to help these people. Yeah, I think
1: it's very important. I think a lot of therapists have had some trauma and had some situations in their lives, and that's why they're interested in psychology. I've always wanted to be a therapist, even when I was in the eighth grade. <laughs> I was kind of a natural, uh, t- for the go-to person for uh, my peers and even some of my family members. But I think that... Uh, that's not enough. I've had a lot of therapy myself. I've done a lot of work on myself and there's a, and I think there's too many unhealed healers on the planet. And so we not only have the responsibility of uh, knowing our trade, but also in healing ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how long, and I know it's probably different for everybody, but let's say somebody comes in with say a food addiction. How long does it take for them to be able to deal with that?
1: Well, it doesn't take long at all if they're ready to deal with it okay so we would we would stop the behavior just like alcoholic you stop drinking uh for food addiction you stop the things that are causing you that to be addicted to them and then you you would have therapy to cope you know learn how to cope with that learn how to grieve that loss learn how to deal with again those underlying causes uh which go back Usually often people with eating disorders were taught to use food as a way of soothing and comforting so that means you have to learn other ways of soothing and comforting yourself and then replace you know and then and then replace the addiction with healthier behaviors so the faster people do those things the faster they forget all about those things that aren't good for them Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to spend twelve step meetings. There's, uh, there's food addicts anonymous. There's overeaters anonymous. I personally like food addicts anonymous the best because uh, it it deals with uh, the the two things that cause uh, the the greatest um, health concerns. Uh, not just obesity, but health concerns, and that's sugar
0: and and uh, and
1: uh, bad carbs,
0: like mm-hmm. flour. Do you believe that medications can help with that too, to help, to help people, you know, start going on the right path?
1: I'm very conservative. I'm not a, I'm not a psychiatrist. I've seen way too many people on medication. And then I see way too many people who can never get off of it, mm-hmm. including some of the non-narcotics uh, like antidepressants. So I'm mm-hmm. very, very um, I like to start off in the place that you're okay. Your, your brain's okay, your body's okay, it's been abused. Let's try a more holistic approach. And there are psychiatrists who are doing this now. Uh, there's a, a woman down in Miami who, who got rid of her prescription pad and treats everything holistically. There are rare cases where people must be on medication, but it's become the norm instead of the exception. And I'm very concerned about that because if you can't treat addiction with addiction, yeah, you might, you might get some results, but you don't get yourself back. And that's my concern. I want people to love themselves just as they are with all their moods, with all their ups, with all their downs, with all their disappointments, with all their loneliness, with all their pain and, and help them work through that and then get to the other side of that, which is peace and tranquility and joy and happiness. Is it too- that that happen, I've done it. And I've worked how many people achieve that. So I know it's more real than unreal.
0: Absolutely. Is it difficult, though? I mean, if somebody really has a lot of, you know, baggage, is, is it hard? Does it take a real long time to, to get them through that?
1: Uh, not if they're willing to, to face okay. the pain and to, okay. to go through uh, the grief process of acknowledging that pain and healing it. <laughs> people run, run into trouble where they put up all kinds of defenses and resistances. Because there is you know there's we have to understand that the addiction has hijacked our minds. So there's always that fear. Addiction runs on fear. So there's always that fear that if I give this up, you know something bad's gonna happen. Who am I or, or, or I, I will hate myself or I hate life. you know I become so dependent. I can remember th- when I quit smoking, I, I, I couldn't I, I couldn't stop and stay stopped, you know, maybe even three months, but then the first time something bad happened, where's my cigarettes? So I had to reframe all my thinking on that, like, wait a minute, they're not my friend. It's a toxic poison I'm putting in my sacred body. And so once people learn how to love themselves, they see their body as a sacred temple, and they don't want to poison it anymore.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to ask something, too, along that line with this. Um, I know <laughs> I went through it. I love salt. Oh, my God. I've already bags of sunflower seeds growing up. I was just a salt fan. And my heart paid, paid the price. And so for me, having to make that change, even though I did it instantly, it was hard. You know, it was really hard to not eat the salty foods and stuff. But once I did, and like you say, it felt so much better. My body felt better. Everything felt better. In fact, I could go into a restaurant and I could just taste the salt on the food. And, that, and then I tell them, we will take it back. I don't want this much salt on here. You know, because your, your mind completely shifts gears. You know, it's, it's like you retrain retraining your mind to do this. Right. And it's salt. a great feeling,
1: but I salt. know. I mean, it's
0: harder. It's not, you know, for other people, it's probably harder to do that, especially if you've been on on uh, drinking alcohol or or taking pills or, or whatever. You know, it's it, it, that could be a real hard change.
1: Yeah, salt is an interesting thing. For some people, the more you eat it, the less you taste it. So the more you need, and then you know, the less you taste, and the more you need. And so uh, once you just, but it, it's not that you know. It, once you go off of it for a couple of days, then your palate returns to normal. It's kind of like the same thing with sugar. You know, if you're eating sugar all the time and then you have a few grapes, which are very sweet, right. they don't taste sweet because your palate has become desensitized to natural right. sugars. Right. And uh, and so uh, there there are plenty of spices and uh, you know if you measure the amount of salt you use and stick to it and use. Mm-hmm. Um, uh like uh, sea salts and things like that and very limited amounts you can certainly have salt without increasing it increasing increasing it time and time
0: again right and i was just thinking when you were saying that about sugar and in in the fruits because i know when i was starting to you know get away from all that stuff i had a banana a day that was it because that 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 would placate my 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 craving for sweets yes with that banana Yes, yeah, so,
1: like- and, it, and it's a natural, it's a natural sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some treatment facilities say no sugar, no honey, no nothing. Uh, I, I don't, I, I haven't seen anybody that I've worked with binge on honey or um, grapes or, you know, they may eat too many, you know, a little too many, but they, they don't get addicted to those things. You right, have right. much fruit you have. Um, there's some natural sweeteners uh, that, that don't have the side effects with erythritol. Um, so you, you can satisfy your palate you're just not going to get that brain hit that's the difference you're right, not going right, to get right. that rush that, that you get
0: blood,
1: from, yeah. from sugar
0: yeah absolutely and salt doesn't give you a rush that's more no. of a palate uh addiction yeah 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 um i was just thinking too when you were talking about honey i know people that have gotten away from sugar and they use honey for their sugar and I, i've seen people do i have this friend that will make oatmeal and just pour the honey on it and i'm just like you know, it's one thing to do that, but it's another thing to use half the bottle of honey on, yeah. on your stuff to make up. I for the have fact not that seen that, sure. but I
1: believe it. Um, you know, I think it would be better, again, if they would measure it and, and mm-hmm. see if they could be satisfied with less. Mm-hmm. But if, they, if they're abusing honey, I, I haven't seen it. I believe you that you have. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But um, that sounds very like they're not be, really being mindful and conscious of what they're doing
0: right you, even though they think they are because it's a natural sure see right so there's, there's two there's two edges to that um when you came up you know when, when you wrote your book how hard was it to get the research done and all that
1: it wasn't hard at all it was very easy i wrote it in less than i think it, i had an editor reviewing it and editing it as i went along and it, it was less than two months
0: oh that's great
1: yeah but when you have all this information it's just a matter of so when I get on a roll, you know, I'll write, you know, all night sometimes.
0: So, Is it hard? I mean, obviously you, you think clinically, you know, for, for what you're doing. So is it hard to sit down and like like, like being a journalist, you know, we have you know, every other fifth word is read and all that stuff and you have to write it so anybody can understand it. Is it hard for a physician or someone like you to, translate that stuff in, in, in the language that everybody can understand you know especially in a book um have you had a chance to read any of the book yet i read part of it yeah it's a, it's
1: a great book did you find it hard to understand no or?
0: no i thought it was great
1: i loved okay. it okay i mean that's the first thing that a good editor will tell you you know you, you plain simple english otherwise people will get too heady with it and won't be interested so that's yeah I definitely that's the style of writing that i the ideas to help people. It's my oh, mission to great. save a million lives in the next ten years. So I don't want it to be something that they go, "What is she saying here?" and putting right, it down. Right, right. I had my experience when I read books. Like, what gibberish is this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I admire you. In fact, I love the book so much. This is my thing for New Year. See, you gave me that 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 book. Gave me the oh, oomph to even go further than my low sodium diet. You know, yeah. Get, get back to doing proper proper food like i used to and you, know, you we have
1: a platform to help so many people yeah. so that's wonderful
0: yeah yeah so that's the goal and i'm, and I'm hoping i'm going to do the travel online you know through, through the show like you say and so people can see my progress
1: fantastic
0: the way i'm doing it so yeah i'm real excited about that what do you say to people who may, may not realize they have an addiction but other people around them can see it what what do I say to who the person who well, has the addiction you know, or who can say it? If you know somebody in your family has this addiction going on, but they don't realize it's an addiction, how can you know the family member dance around and 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 convince this person that maybe they need a little help to not eat that or drink that or whatever?
1: What do I say to the observer of the addict? Yeah. So, uh, first of all. People get so jammed up and what happens generally is that they either don't say anything at all and silently worry or suffer or smolder or um, they attack the person and none of those are healthy methods of dealing with addiction. This is the hardest thing for people to do is to lovingly confront a situation and say, you know, we've been going through this for a long time now and we've watched you Gain weight, lose your job, your third DUI, break up with your fifth person this year, Uh you know, health conditions or whatever. And um, we love you. I love you. I'm concerned about you. I think you need to face the reality here of what's going on. I cannot, I can no longer support this. I, Uh I won't give you money for this. Uh, I, I want to help you in any way that I can, but these are the things that I'm not going to do anymore because I love you so much, and it hurts and makes me so sad to see you getting worse and worse. And I realize I've had a role in that because I haven't said anything. I made mistakes that have hurt you. I'm willing to deal with that also, but I can't. We can't just keep going on like we're going on now. It's not working. It's not. I, I feel like I'm watching you just fail and die and, and get more and more upset and depressed and da, 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 da. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing.
0: Right, right, right. And well addicts, you know, it, I guess it depends on the addict, too. Like you said, some people will we'll will get into it right away and say, yeah, I do, I do have this problem and let's see what we can do to fix it but uh, the, but then there's the others that did not you know the, not that they're deniers but they're so looped into what they're doing that they, they, do, they don't realize that that they're addicted to you know what whatever they're doing how hard is I, it to convince I them can't
1: so? tell you how many times I work with families and everybody in the family has an addiction you know okay. that one of the parents is addicted to benzodiazepines the other mm-hmm. parent opens the bottle at night and you know has five stiff ones every night and you know eventually you know both of those people are having physical symptoms that could Easily be remediated by stopping their own addiction, but they're highly functioning. And then you know maybe the sibling uh, has their thing where they're smoking pot all the time. And then there's a targeted patient who's always in trouble. Uh, so you know it's like everyone's pointing the fingers and at now at the targeted person, but everyone has an addiction.
0: Okay, okay. That, this is this is very interesting to me. You know, to talk to someone like you, you know, about this. My other question is, you know, um, you always see the stories about the people that have that one glass of wine every night. Would you, is that an addiction or just something to relax? I mean, if they're doing it consistently right? night.
1: Not not, not unless they're having negative consequences. Mm -hmm. Now, I have, uh, I've worked with people, who just have a couple of drinks at night and their spouses don't like them because they have personality changes and -hmm. they don't want to kiss them and they don't want to be close to them because they feel like there's two different people. Now, I'm not saying that person has an addiction, but I'm right. saying that person is having negative consequences because their sober partner doesn't like them and won't have sex with them. Doesn't want them in the room because it has the, the person has a sensitivity to alcohol to the point that they're unappealing. That's a serious issue.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you say to someone like, like, like how do people get a hold of you for help to, to begin with?
1: Well, uh, all they would have to do is, um, well, there's two ways they can get help. They could get free help on my website. I have uh, probably about 100 blogs now on there that t- deal with all these topics. I have some free meditations and then uh, teach Course of Miracles uh, once a week uh, on Wednesday nights from six to seven, not tonight because we're on holiday break. But right. so they could engage in that way at no charge. But I also have a concierge practice and it, it's quite expensive because it's Instead of going to treatment, and spending fifty thousand in treatment, getting out, you know, they come in here. They do. We do outpatient if they need to see a psychiatrist for a detox or medication. I have that resource on hand. But um, we do way more therapy in, in that in, the, in a month for a lot less money than if they went to treatment, had a couple therapy sessions a week at best, and then uh, you know they're doing a, a lot of other assignments. So unless someone really cannot um, be alone. You know, they have to be in a facility. Uh, I I prefer them to be. I take them to meetings. I get mm-hmm. them involved, and we do really intensive work. Uh, sometimes a whole day, sometimes two whole days, and then regular interval, re- regular daily after that. I'm available 24/7. So it's a it's a it's an intensive high end program. So there's those are the two options. Um, we're also going to be setting up some type of online, like uh, two hour. Uh, course for people who could do kind of like what we're doing what can i although know, they say what can i do about this what can i do about that and that kind of thing and that will be very affordable but we're we, we've just launched the book exit the maze I have another one coming out in april called the healing moment which is a spirituality book so we got a lot of irons in the fire and we want to keep the quality up so right now uh, that's just in, in the making and not and not ready for presentation yet
0: absolutely now you know when- in your practice what what have you seen seems to be the 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 leading a, a, addictive thing is it is it is it opioids is it alcohol or food or something else
1: electronics sex food and substances
0: that makes sense i didn't even think about electronics but yeah that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah tech What's is and a
0: dinner and... an party without 10 people sitting at your table at the phone, you know, and, ch- and checking their email or doing whatever, right. chatting.
1: Right, and, uh, and yeah, tech is very addictive and children are being raised on it. And uh, and then, you know, we got a problem with children now having to be constantly, constantly, constantly stimulated. Uh, a lot of children, are, so many kids are being put on medication. I think that's criminal. I mean, mm-hmm. their brains are not even developed and you're permanently altering them. And these kids that get put on Ritalin and Ard- uh, uh, um, Adderall, they wind up getting addicted to methamphetamines later uh, and other substances. Even though the research that are done, mostly done by pharmaceutical companies, say there's no tie between being on it early and later. I uh, mm-hmm. tell all my patients that, <laughs> who who you know went from uh, Adderall to methamphetamine, uh, crack and crystal meth and things like that. So. There is definitely, uh, I don't care what kind of, I, I want to analyze the research that says there's no connection. I don't care yeah. how many studies, I want to know who paid for it and who did them. And I want to see their stats because right. I'm dealing with it here. And you know, the real danger is now is that if you, know, you start getting into the illegal drugs and mm-hmm. you don't know what you're getting, and ugh, people are, it is not a fallacy that young people are dying left and right. I mean, mm-hmm. we are wiping out a big chunk of this younger generation who yes. just think that they're smoking pot or they're having a a, a, a Valium or, you know, a little snorting some heroin and they're dead. They're dead.
0: Right. You don't know what it's laced with at all.
1: A, a lot of these apps, um, I'm, I've had a lot of people die that, you know, they're on these hookup apps and, you know, they, they're doing a little drugs and, and you know, the, the, the hookup uh, sex and and. I can't tell you how many cases where the the person who was doing the ordering, you know, died right. and got right. robbed, right. Uh, or accidentally overdosed. So I tell everybody if you're going to do any kind of drugs, illegal drugs at all, at all, keep narcon and don't do it alone so that someone could administer it to the person who's ODing because it's very fast that you stop right. breathing. And by the time you call nine one one and they arrive, it's too late.
0: Do you think that the you know the addiction to electronics has as people grow up you know because they're on these things all the time that they're desensitized now?
1: I don't know how desensitized they get. Um, I know what you're saying. I've seen kids in here like they just can't you know they just don't feel. They seem like they don't feel because it's an annoyance to stop what they're doing and right. actually engage in human interaction. So I understand what you're saying. I think it's more uh, like any person who's addicted, though. they don't want to feel, they don't want to engage in a meaningful conversation. <laughs> so, I guess you could say there's a desensitization, but I think it's more of a, a brain, you know, type of problem than it is a feeling problem. Although it leaves like, a feeling problem for I sure. I like
0: your philosophy with with wanting to do the research into that stuff because you know, I know people that are taking um, Norco right now and they're prescribed but the hell that they're having to go through right now just to get their their, their pills because they've got bad backs and whatnot, and it's because and it's, it all comes down to you got the wrong people at the top giving orders, you know, on this stuff, you know, instead of blanketing it into, OK, these are the people that need it because they're in constant pain. And these are the street you know, people getting it off the streets. We're going to lump it all into one and then we're going to punish everybody.
1: Yeah, Over. there are legitimate, uh, le- legitimate issues with pain. Mm-hmm. However, if you're going to get on pain medication, please get on pain medication that isn't going to hijack your brain forever. Right, 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 because, right. Uh, these, the the uh, oxy, oxycodone is so addictive. Mm-hmm. And some people are are already receptive to it, just like someone who's been on Adderall and tries, you know, uh, uh, up or later. It's already the pump has been primed. Right. So right. I think you should proceed very cautiously and a lot of people uh, who have chronic pain can manage their pain with uh, Advil and Tylenol. They're not the greatest drugs in the world, but you're not going to get addicted to them. Mm-hmm. And some very, very mild doses of narcotics. And there are, there are uh, alternatives to Oxy, like Tramadol and things like that, which also can be addictive, by the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Anything mm-hmm. that
1: gets well, you high can be
0: addictive. Well, but- the one I find terrifying is gabapentin because mm-hmm. people don't realize the side effects that come along with it, you know? I know I, I took that for a while and, and it took my brain a while to get back on track. I mean, it was just like, I would forget stuff that I shouldn't forget. I mean, that stuff had me going in circles. And so I just hope at some point that medical and, and, and psychologists and all this are able to find a happy medium to all that and find something that's going to work for people that, you know, that, that they don't have to go, feel like they have to go on the streets to get the stuff.
1: Right. And some people actually have surgeries where they, you know, they cauterize the nerves that are causing the pain. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they have, you know, they have a permanent solution there to to a, a, a very severe problem. So, I mean, there's all kinds of alternatives. I would, if, yeah. if it were me, I've lived with chronic back pain for a long time. I manage it with, uh, with the uh, exercise and when it's severe and debilitating I take uh, Tylenol or Advil depending on what kind of pain I have if I have pain from mm-hmm. swelling I take Advil if I have general pain I take Tylenol but very very rarely because your body can need more and more of that too not that you get psychologically addicted but your body you know the pain keeps intensifying and you need more like salts kind of <laughs> the same kind of kind of phenomenon
0: Absolutely so. absolutely And when you talk about people having inner issues, you know, where they have that emptiness, what could cause that emptiness in people?
1: Well, I think we all have a little bit of that to a certain extent, you know, just as part of being human. But the kind that drives addiction out of control is usually based in some, as I mentioned earlier, some type of childhood trauma. It could be something that is simple as, you know, you lost your best friend and never really had had processed that and put meaning to it and understanding to it and, and, you know, been able to let go of the pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it could be something as severe as um, being abused.
0: Okay. A lot of children are
1: abused and nobody knows they're abused.
0: That's true. That's true. Because it's hidden so well. I mean, it's like, well, there's all kinds of abuse, you know, when people think of abuse too, they think of, of slapping somebody around, but there's all kinds of abuse. You know, parents can cause mental abuse and not realize they're doing it, or even Absolutely. other kids, the bullies at school. You know,
1: right, right. I mean, the the dysfunctional family model. Uh, you know, don't think, don't trust, don't feel, and don't talk about it. When a child's taught that model of relating, they hold everything in, and it it's like a, a little mini tornado that turns into a big drilling. You know, down on one's one sense of self and self esteem, and the ability to to uh, i i th- i say that you know addiction is, is a disorder because you know it's you, you form uh, you you form an attachment to the feelings that you get from the addiction instead of forming secure attachments with other human beings
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so we tend to have two problems one is that we have those wounds and number two because uh, as i talk about in our, our in my book we have this right. template the template is based on what I observe my parents, how they related to each other, and how they related to me. So I'm, my template is if it's dysfunctional and there's abuse there, that's what's familiar to me. And, I, and unconsciously, these people, we find each other, and then we keep those wounds going. When I th- teach people in, in recovery is, it doesn't matter who you're attracted to, the only purpose of any relationship is to heal each other, to heal those wounds, and to overcome them. And then you can, you know, be an example of no matter what you've been through, you can have a secure attachment. You can have an, a loving attachment with another person. But both people have to be
0: willing to do that. It can't just be one person. Right, right, right. And your book, look, your, the way you've written it, you're going to help people with that book. Hands down. There's, there's, there's no way fans are about it. I mean, and if Thank anything you. people are going to get out of it, they're, they're going to be more self-aware after they read it.
1: Yes, that's a good point. If they, if they get nothing else other than, "Ooh, what am I doing here?" Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it will be worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no, a lot of
1: therapy in the book good. too, as you know, like at the end of each chapter there's a, there's questions to help people access what's really going on. It's nobody's fault that they've gotten addicted. Things are made on purpose to get you addicted. Mm-hmm. Let's take you know uh, alcohol, what would 14, 12, 14%. What if it were only five or six percent alcohol? We know for sure that cigarettes had an, an ingredients added to them that made the nicotine, which is the most, uh, almost the most addictive drug on the planet. At one point it was the most addictive drug on the planet. But anyhow, they, they added something to that to make it even more addictive. Uh, we know that you know oxycotton is so highly addicted that it, it's just unbelievable the lives that it's taken. Video games, pornography, gambling—it's not designed for entertainment. It is designed that you want more and more and more and more and more. So it's not your fault if you get addicted, but you are responsible for staying addicted. Right. And you—and yep. the shift here is you don't own me, and I'm not giving my whole soul over to you anymore. I'm me. And I want to be me just like I am. I don't want pills in me. I don't want all this other stuff controlling me. I'm here for a reason. I want to fulfill that. And so uh, you don't get to have me. I don't care how good your ad is. I don't care how good the effect is. You don't get to have me. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. How hard is it for people to get get help? I mean, do they just call you or, or what's the process?
1: Well, they can send me an email and set up a, I do a, uh, I do a 30 minute um, free of charge consultation just to see if they're ready and if it's a good fit. Uh, and then um, I travel around so, uh, so I can go to people. Sometimes I go to people's offices, homes that go out of state, out of the country, or they come here to Palm Beach, which is a beautiful place to be,
0: especially at this time of year.
1: They'll get They'll stay in a hotel and come into the office and do the work.
0: I'm jealous where you're at I, I love Hawaii and I know there's a lot of Florida that's like Hawaii so anybody that lives in Palm Beach or anything like that I'm really jealous I'm because I love that stuff
1: well you're um, in California
0: yeah but I'm in an area well I'm like in the like upper area of California and Sacramento where it's either 110 degrees outside or it's 32 outside so that you know never, it's very beautiful there too yeah you get like maybe maybe two three months of spring and, or a month of spring if you're lucky and then it's just it's too bloody hot now you, you're
1: I mean, at the of the I weather
0: go, yeah i can go in any direction and go to the mountains and go to the ocean so that's cool you know um can you yeah, just start here. here
1: you know in florida it's really hot or it's you know we have like six months of pleasant weather and yeah. six months of the steaming <laughs> Love it. There is a the beach um, and swimming pools and things like that.
0: Absolutely. Can you tell me about one of your most difficult um, patients that, that that you've dealt with to, to get them off? I, I didn't understand you. I'm sorry. Could, could you? Um. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just getting ahead of myself. Could you tell me about uh, one uh, patient that had had a more difficult case that you were able to, you know, get away from from the addiction?
1: yeah i i don't I don't like to talk about my patients, but I've had you know a, a specific patient because right. it just may, would make every patient feel uncomfortable. Okay, but, okay. Um, but you know, I have dealt with some people who have been chronically long term addicted and okay. they were hopeless and uh, and so we would start the process and they would be off the wall insane. Um, but you know, I don't ever give up on anybody and eventually they get it eventually they they get it it's not just because i'm so wonderful or anything like that it's just that they're learning and growing without even realizing it and then mm-hmm. sometimes something really a negative you know the the universe has a way of assisting even though it seems like it's you know painful uh mm-hmm. like if someone gets their you know fifth dui and they're in jail for six months no matter what but while they're in jail they're
0: digesting what they've
1: learned in therapy, you know, it has a whole different effect than someone who's never had that information to begin with.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, here's my thing. Here's what I do. Just the last question I have for you. And I do this to everybody. So it's not just sing- singling you out. You're in Las Vegas. You're standing on the strip and there's some therapists out there too, that have books. What do you say to get people to read your book?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I don't think I, I want to have anyone get to read my book. <laughs> but if they ask me, why should I read your book, I would say, what do you? What are you looking for? What is it that you want? And so let's say there's a, they're on addiction row therapy. I would say that I, my book is offering a lifetime of personal and professional experience. I know how you feel. I've been through it myself. You can go through the list of addictions from, you know, nicotine, foods, uh, drugs, alcohol, addictive relationships, the addictive exercise, (laughs) you just go right through the list. And I've been through this process. And I also, after 23 years, relapsed. So I know what it is to fail at doing everything that you're told in treatment to do, and you still fail So my book is different in that it's going to teach you how to leave those things like any other bad relationship. You'll just forget all about it because you will learn how to love yourself. And that's the key.
0: Fantastic. Donna, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate it. I was looking forward to this conversation and it did not disappoint. Well, thank thank you so
1: much for contacting me. I'm really honored to be on your show.
0: And it's a great book, everybody. The book is great. In fact, I'm going to finish it tonight. So yeah, I love stuff like that. All right. Well, you have a good New Year's.
1: Happy New Year's to you.
0: All right, ma'am. Thank you so much. And I will tease your website and everything just before I sign off, so people. Fantastic. Know. Okay. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. Bye. All right, guys. I learned so much about this about this stuff. You know, I've been around people all my life that have had different addictions. Not so much in my family, but friends and stuff. And it was great, you know, to, to hear her talk about it. Plus, her book is so good. It's really, really good. Anyway, tomorrow we're shifting gears a little bit. Tomorrow I'm going to be reading. We've got um, at least two more days left on our whoa, where I went. We've got at least two, <laughs> two more days left on our um our, our ghostly, scary holiday book, and so I'm going to read uh, that tomorrow. And hopefully, New Year's New Year's Day will be the last day we have that, and then we're going to shift back into the St. Louis Trial books. Book that we were reading, and then Ana Maria Manalo has another book, and behind that, unholy structure, that we're going to start reading behind the Salem one. So that's what we'll be doing tomorrow. I'll be here at uh, 6 30 p.m. Pacific reading for you, which I enjoy doing. And then Friday, Nancy Mats will be with us, just to give you a heads up. Nancy Mats is going to be with us, and she's going to actually give predictions for 2023. So she's going to be doing that. So I, I want to, you know, look, give you guys a heads up on that. Anyway, if you like the show. Share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. As usual, I'm equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio, and we're just trying to get the word out. Like I said in the beginning of the show, boom, boom, boom. It's whatever. Whatever you guys are doing out there, it's working because the numbers are going up, and I'm real excited about that. I really appreciate that. Now, that being said, and I know everybody's broke. It's after Christmas. I, I know, but uh, California Haunts acts as a nonprofit, even though we're officially not a nonprofit. But we do not take money to do any of our investigations or any of that. So when we have to travel somewhere, it comes out of our, our pocket, mainly my pocket, because I'm the owner, obviously. Just like the radio show, if something breaks, headphones, you know, my, my ring lights, whatever, the computer dies or something, I have to come up with money to pay for all this stuff. I'm paying for the Internet, paying for my electricity, you know, all that usual stuff. So I could use a little help. So if you can find it in your heart, you know, to donate a little bit to us to, to keep the show on the air, that would to help me keep the show on the air that would be great i, you know, I, I really appreciate it. it doesn't have to be a lot but uh that would be wonderful all right because like i said i've got expenses just like you guys do and uh i want to keep bringing the show to you because i want to keep these great guests coming all right so if you could do that that'd be great that's at uh, paypal.me at california haunts or if you don't like paypal there's a venmo and just type in california haunts see that easy all right well i'm going to close off with 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 uh with Dr. Mark's information, and uh, then we can go from there. Okay, here we go. So the website is drdonnamarks.com, all lowercase. And she does have multiple books, so it's just, just these three. So we get it. The, the book that's out right now that's doing so well is Exit the Maze. That's the one I, I'm reading the process of reading. And there's a couple, Cre- Creating Your Success and um looking for god at the heart of all facts and those you can either get from her website or from amazon and there are like i said there are several, there, there are a few other books that she's written as well so uh yeah anyway i will see you guys tomorrow at 6:30 p.m pacific and uh, thank you all for coming today i know we were early but uh I appreciate you all, and I know you're out there, and uh, thank you. Thank you. and keep sharing the show and keep watching the show, keep listening to the show, and uh, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thanks, and see you tomorrow, guys.